It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Fucking lawyers. (laughs) Sorry, Alex. It's fine. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I am your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And we are, uh, we're at the All-Star slash Olympic break, and I have a bit of trivia for you both. I actually have two bits of trivia, but we're going to start with the one I thought of first. Uh, The first little bit of trivia. So the Florida Panthers have however many players they have on their roster. I want you to to take a guess. uh, Of all of those players, among those who are not on their entry-level contract, but have only played for the Panthers and no other NHL team, what is the average draft position? Okay. So that question players that were not on their NHL contracts, or that not on their ELC, but have only ever played for the Panthers. Correct. So just to establish the parameters here. Okay. So that includes one, two, three, four... How many other players? Five. Oh no, wait. ELC. So there's I'm still at four. Um, this is great, great audio content, I'm sure. I'm gonna go with second overall. That seems too high because I'm accounting for Mackenzie Weger. Oh darn. Weger's the only one because it's I mean uh unless he's being considered an outlier. Huberto's third overall, Barkov's second, Ekblad's Mm -hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Um, Mackenzie Weger win the ELC. seventh round. Weger's the seventh round. Knights on his ELC, uh-huh. and that's the only Panther. Uh, oh, Tippett, Tippett's on his ELC. Tippett's on his ELC. Yeah. So yeah, that's oh, that's all the Panthers draft picks in the lineup. So it's what twentieth or something like that. So you're you're trying to calculate the average based on Barkov, Huberdo, Ekblad, and Weger, correct? Yes. Mammon. Sixth round pick. Right. He's not on the ELC. 
Is it 69th overall? It is nice. not, but that was. Oh. What is it? Because we have way too so, much dead Okay, I, I'm glad that you guys at least got the five players. I, I I thought Mammon would take a little bit longer. I thought you'd at least guess a number before someone would be like, oh, wait, Mammon. Uh, so the answer is 77. Oh, we were so close to greatness. I know. Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, Mammon, and Uyghur. Mammon at 175th overall, Uyghur at 206th. Uh, so that averages out to be like a mid third round pick, which when you really look at it is about the average draft position in an NHL draft, a little higher. Um, I guess no mid fourth round pick would actually be average. Cause that's three and a half out of seven. There you rounds. Go, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought that would be a fun little bit to open up on. Uh, and I also wanted to use that to highlight the fact that, there are only five players on this team who are not on their ELC who were drafted by this team. Uh, all that to say, holy shit, Bill Zito. Yeah. Way to basically bring in 20 extra guys and create a contender. Bill, Bill Zito is John Tapper or John Taffer. Which one is I don't again? get that reference. Taffer. He, uh, came in, he came into the, the BB&T Center and he said, shut it down. We're going we're gonna to change everything. And then all of a sudden, the Florida Panthers are in first place. I don't remember that. Yeah, bar, bar Rescue. rescue. Bar, bar Rescue. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, not the least of which, I guess this is less about Zito and more about like the team's performance because we can't have our, our mid-season all-star break extravaganza without talking about Jonathan Huberto. Uh, I, I did a little bit of, a little bit of stats uh, leading up to this episode and I just wanted to get a good look. So Jonathan Huberto, obviously first in the league in points. Fantastic. Uh, the fun part is his individual impacts as far as his play driving metrics go, aren't really much different than normal. It's just that he finally has a, a consistent line, not to say that Barkov isn't consistent, but he has a consistent line separate from Barkov. So it's not that he's doing anything terribly different than normal, but he's getting to do what he normally does against second lines instead of first lines and has a really good line to do it with. Yeah. And tell us about the rewards that he's reaped. Well, he leads the Art Ross race right now. That's a pretty good reward. He's an all-star right now. Literally. Well, I guess not literally the game right already now. Anymore. We're, not, we're not recapping well, the all-star game. Sorry. To yeah, no, wait, but I want to. Wait, okay. wait, wait. I want to because, because the Atlantic Division didn't win, it hurts Brunette's chances to win the Jack Adams. Didn't you see that? <laughs> he didn't get the car. Because he wasn't All-Star Game MVP. The only part of the All-Star Weekend that's worth talking about is anything and everything that Trevor Zegers did. That was great, yeah. That might win the Calder. That might honestly be bad for him. Yeah, I, I honestly think that the All-Star Weekend is going to be what wins Trevor Zegers the Calder. I think you're right about that. Unless they re- really flame out of the playoff race, or if he gets hurt, you know, that would no, automatically end No, unless they end duck it. out of the playoff race. Uh, yeah. Flame that was right there for you, TJ. Come on. <laughs> you used the wrong Pacific team. I uh, did. But for all of Jonathan Cooper's accolades, 
I want to play our second little game of trivia for this episode. Okay. Because Jonathan Huberto is 10th in the league in five-on-five primary points per 60. But guess what? Mm -hmm. He's not the highest Panther on that list. Who is? Sam Bennett. No. Oh, I thought I was going to get that. Damn. I guess that makes sense because, like, Bennett scores all the goals that Huberto assists on. Um, But no, it is not Bennett. It is not Marchman. I was going to say, is there a minimum amount of... A minimum. Yes. Yeah, so time. there's there yeah. is a 500 minute time. Okay. So then, yeah, that removes Marchman because he hasn't. Um, played yeah, there. he's only played like 20 games. Um, is this five on five only or total ice? Five, five on, on five. On five oh yeah. So five points on, per 60. So 500 minutes of five on five. That's got to be like the full season, basically. I want to go Reinhardt, and then second answer would be Lundell. It is not Reinhardt. It is not Lundell. Okay. Is it Anthony Duclair? It is not Duclair. So it's got to be Carter Verhage. It is Carter Verhage. <laughs> of course it's Carter Verhage. That's, Carter on, a, that's Verhage. on us. That should have just been the default guess for every really question Jacob I'm ever comes to. I'm shocked that it took you both that long. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Carter Verhage is eighth uh, among NHL players with 500 minutes or more in five-on-five primary points per 60 minutes. That is goals plus first assists. Uh, for the record, Johnny Gaudreau is first. Kirill Kaprizov is second. You know, um, you know what else we don't talk about with Verhage enough is that he's a he's a good defensive player. He I is, oh, yeah, can't he, believe that there's anything about Carter Verhage that the three of us don't talk about enough. We talk about him a lot. Well, as we should. I mean, <laughs> he is an all star in a normal year. You know definitely would be contending if he got first power play time, but the Panthers are so stacked that he doesn't get it. Yeah. And, you know, he's so efficient, always helps drive play no matter who he plays with. The Panthers got a first liner for nothing for free. <laughs> for free. They got a couple. Uh, I mean, Duclair, Alex, I, mean, you guys- I do want to give you a little bit of credit because when you remove the time on ice requirement, uh, Marcus Nutivara is first. <laughs> Uh, in the Panthers, in this isn't primary. This is total points per sixty. Uh, but Mason Marchman is second on the team in total points per sixty minutes. Not primary, but total. Like, I don't care uh, about sample size. TOI. So you know, I mean, getting the new is gone. I need it. It's honestly a pretty significant margin too. Total points per sixty. Marchman, uh, Marchman is four point three five points per sixty. Huberto's uh, behind him at three point four. So it's actually by the way, by the way, three point four, three point four is outstanding. Nutivara, <laughs> Marcus Nutivara, in his six minutes and fifty one seconds of five on five ice time this season, he has one assist. It so is a prim- like it's ten something. It is a primary assist. So it's like ten something or nine eighty seven. It's eight point seven six. <laughs> Brunette, what are you doing? Play new Tivara. I don't care that he's hurt. Get him back in the lineup. He's our best defenseman, clearly. So my, my baseline normally for like a good points per 60 at five on five is like two. Two points per 60 at five on five. That's you're having a good season. The Panthers have eight players above three five on five points per 60. That's so nutty. 
You, you know, one of the most amazing things is, is, is that the ninth highest player on the team at points per 60 is, is Sasha Barkov. He's behind eight players in terms of five on five points per 60. And he's still like good in that metric. Yeah. It's not like he's having a bad year. It's just that so many players are having a great year. I actually did want to talk about this. Ooh, and TJ, I actually also want to give you a little bit of credit because Anthony Duclair would lead the Panthers in five-on-five primary points per 60 if he met the 500-minute marker. He's sitting at 491. (laughs) I guess Duclair's missed some games. Yeah, yeah. Among among Panthers players, let's let's just remove the 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 TOI requirement and also new Tivara, because among Panthers players who have really played significant minutes, the primary points per sixty at five on five goes Marchment, Duclair, Verhage, Huberto, Reinhardt. That's your top five. And you know Reinhardt wasn't very high on this list up until this month, but I think I sent out a tweet about it. He has something along the lines of. 19 primary points in his last 13 games. I actually, I was looking at the stats a second ago, so I can give you an exact number on that, but let's talk (laughs) about this. Reinhardt has been on an absolute fucking tear and probably has been the Panthers best player since they came back from the break. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Jonathan Huberto has been, you know, outstanding the entire season. And there's no doubt that he's the team MVP, but like since they came back from the break, Reinhardt's been producing with everybody that you put him with. He's turned a guy that was in the ECHL two years ago and a guy that was in Finnish juniors two years ago into a first line when you put him next to them. And, you know, all of this after he wasn't really having the best start to the season, I guess he really just took the break to kind of think about how he can align his game to fit with the way the Panthers play and it's really started to pay off. And, and I think that what he does is going to really be effective in the playoffs because he doesn't need time and space. He can win puck battles on the boards, feed it out to somebody for an assist. And a lot of what he does is actually not touching the puck. Like he makes smart plays to open up lanes for his line mates and the D that are on the ice with them at the time. And he's a good defensive player. Like, you know, we, we can talk about, the great things that Huberto and Duclair players like that are doing offensively. And I like, I I don't want to say that like, you know, that's a mirage because of this, but both of them are bad defensive players and Reinhardt is not a bad defensive player. All of this points that he's putting up is in conjunction with him putting up good results on the other side of the ice. It's, it's amazing what they were able to get out of this guy last month and i know it was a slow start so we'll have to see what the true sam reinhardt is but i think it's going to look a lot more like the one that we've seen for the last month and the first three months of the season i don't know man i think the true sam reinhardt is the one that jerry sullivan tweeted about (laughs) yeah he doesn't make winning plays guys he just doesn't when when i think of all the positive qualities that the sabers lacked i think of sam reinhardt you know that sentence really could go either way when I hear of all the positive quality qualities the team lacked in the past, I think of Reinhardt. That could easily also be interpreted as Reinhardt's the guy who has those qualities. Mm-hmm. And guess yeah. what, Jerry? I guess if you interpret it that way, you are right. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Jerry Sullivan is the guy who tried to like 
shit talk Sam Reinhardt calling him the highest paid the highest paid Panther, uh, which was never true. Uh, because Bobrovsky makes about three million dollars more than uh, more than Reinhardt does, uh, and so does Ekblad. I think Ekblad makes not. the same. No, no, he makes. Uh, Ekblad's a seven and a half. Seven five. Yeah, no. seven five. Reinhardt's no, a six Reinhardt's, five. Yeah, Reinhardt six five. I thought Reinhardt was seven. No, no, he's seven, at like six oh, or six okay. five. Um, but yeah, no, that's just an awful that tweet. Literally everything about that tweet is wrong, except for the brief moment that Sam Reinhardt had no goals and one assist in six games. Way to cherry pick one six game spread, but then also be wrong about everything else in your tweet. <laughs> by the way, by the way, 18 primary points in 13 games for Sam Reinhardt. Is that good? Did I break it? I think it? it's good. I think it's good. What does new high score mean? Did I break I, it? I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I know this is quote unquote a recap podcast, but like it's kind of insane when you look at it. The Panthers have three lines that if you go down the NHL, they'd be the first line for a lot of teams. I would not go as far as to say that Marchman Lundell Reinhardt is a first line on most teams. It's the first line on our team. So you know what? I don't agree. Disagree, Jake. I think you could go down quite. No, 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 no. I, I I will go to bat for all three of those players in every situation. But most teams do not deploy Marchman, Lundell, Reinhardt as a top line. Yeah, the only problem is you got to switch out Marchman for Verhage. Then you got a top line. <laughs> I'm I, dead ass. I'm dead fucking I, ass. Really? Because I kind of think Lundell's a little bit the weak uh, link on that line. <laughs> You might be right, honestly. And I love Anton Lundell. Um, and Mason Marchman's I, also got good defensive results in the, in uh, in uh, conjunction with the fact that he's got like the best points per sixty on the team. Yeah, I I think on every team in the NHL except the Panthers, that is a pretty formidable second line. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's a first line. We have. I think we're I think we're missing the forest for the trees here. Like they have. Sure, we we have the two best very good first hockey. lines. And of bend a pretty good second line. And then also like a fourth line that isn't that is dominant. Bad. That like Lomberg has been really good this season. They uh, dom- I, they dominate fourth lines. Like they I, dominate I go, against I, fourth lines. I'll I'll say the pan I'll I'll just I mean, I already made a homer statement, I guess, but I'll make another one. That there's not a better forward group in the NHL than the Panthers. No, I, I don't, don't think that's it. even a controversial <laughs> thing to say. And you know what my favorite part about the fact that that's true is, is how out of my way I've been going to piss off Leafs fans lately. Uh, That would piss them off. (laughs) So I'm going to shout that from the fucking rooftops. I mean, the the Leafs have a better defense than the Panthers do, but definitely not better, a better forward group top to bottom. I'm... Just do the Leafs looking... have a better defense or do they have a better goalie? I guess I guess top to bottom they have a better defense because they don't have anybody at Ekblad's level and they don't have anybody at Uyghur's level. And, you know, the difference between I mean, their top guys. Having... And... Hmm? Montour's having a real good year too. Yeah. I guess beyond those three. Well, no, because Lucas Carlson is also just crushing it. I don't know, man. I, I, I think... I think the Panthers might just top to bottom be a better team than the Leafs. I mean, Mason Marchment has more primary assists this season than Austin Matthews. The only advantage I'll give the Leafs is goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, because Campbell's playing out of his mind. 
And uh, I wrote about this a little bit, but Bobrovsky, when you adjust for the rebounds that he's giving up, his season goes from awesome to very good. You know, he, he's in the range of guys like, I can't even remember now like who was in his neighborhood, but, you know, some of the, the high achievers this year, Campbell being one of them, if I remember correctly, when you adjust for rebounds, look a little bit more impressive. I'm also just looking right now at the Panthers sorted by, uh, by Corsi percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, three, four, five. That is the number of players that are below 50%. Uh, and those five players are Chase Prisky, Matt Kierstead, Grigori Denisenko, Cole Schwint, and Zach Dalpy. The highest TOI of any of those is Kierstead at 98 minutes. So like any, everyone on this team who's playing significant minutes is playing really well. Yeah, and I mean, for Kierstead, I think it's really just a matter of the games that he had to play in. You know, there's the Kings game. There's the Seattle game in which the team around him played terribly. Their worst performance of the season, or at the very least, the second worst compared to the uh, 8-2 to two the loss Seattle game. Ottawa. See, the, other, the other Seattle game wasn't good, but it wasn't that. Because Seattle dominated every phase of the game and deserved Look, to win by more, probably. Like, I'm going to get – I mean, I'm, again, maybe I'm just – being a homer and since I'm drinking scotch while we do this podcast, I don't think that game was that that Senators game was that bad. It was the beginning of the COVID outbreak for the team. So whether guys had tested positive or not yet, like you could kind of tell people weren't up to it. And that game just kind of snowballed late in the second period where like a couple bad bounces went against the Panthers, ended up in the back of the net. And all of a sudden it was eight and eight two final, but like, you know, if you go throughout the whole game, like the first period in 15 minutes were really, was really even hockey. And then the Panthers just kind of fell apart. Like both Kraken games from the opening puck drop to the final whistle, they were just bad. Yeah. I, I thought they were fine in the home game. Like, you know, the, the Kraken was marginally better in the home game and Drieger was really the reason that it was three to one and ultimately comfortable. But they, they were really bad in that game in Seattle. And they, frankly, got, like, a great bounce to make it 3-3, three to three, if I remember correctly. Or it was either 3-2 to two or 3-3 three to three that the Barkov shot deflected off of somebody and went in. Yeah, that was the tying goal. Yeah, and they, Bobrovsky gave up four goals and, like, probably still was the best player on the team that night because they, they defensively gave up the second most expected goals that the Seattle Kraken have – ever gotten in their franchise history and the most at five on five. So whenever you're saying worst defensive performance in another franchise's history, you know, or best offensive performance happened against you. That's, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. I mean, that game was just fluky in general. Like, yeah, the the Kraken had some weird goals too. So whatever, I don't want to. I don't want to get into individual games because this this will be a six hour podcast. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the Calgary game in Calgary. No. No. Um, we are not doing that. I I also just did a quick little stat thing. This is purely the sum. I to to really find out who's the better. Uh, I'll need to do a little bit more work. But the total goals above replacement number, uh, Panthers versus Leafs. Panthers are sitting at 
uh, Leafs are at 97.1. So it is pretty close, but the Panthers do have uh, the edge. Uh, I want to do a little bit more there to see who, like, if we are top to bottom better or if we're just overall better. Like, yeah. You mean better in every facet? Yes. You mean so? Look, the only stat that matters is Corsi, and the Panthers are second out of 32 teams. The only team higher than them is Calgary. (laughs) So, I, I mean, I'm joking a lot of the time when I value Corsi that highly, but, like, I don't think there's anything that you should value more highly than that in terms of predicting what the rest of the season is going to be like. You know, this is a team that's dominating five-on-five possession, and that's going to be something that you can win doing consistently. Like, and it's something that will show up. Like, it's repeatable. And now there's obviously a lot of other factors that lead to winning hockey games. You can't just have the puck the whole time. And that leads to five goals and the other team not scoring any, you know, we've seen teams be number one in the league in Corsi and miss the playoffs. Uh, LA did that. uh, I think it was in like 2013 or something like that. And that might've been the year they won the cup. So that might sound stupid, but I know that they had number one. The Kings won the cup in 12 or yeah, 12 and 14. So I think it might've been 16 then or something like that, but basically they were number one in Corsi and they missed the playoffs one year. And uh, we've seen bad teams have great possession numbers. You know, Montreal has always been a very strong possession team and really hasn't been. Or a strong possession team. Were. Yeah. They're not a strong anything right now. I, I don't know who could have predicted that this team. I'm not even play. sure they're Me? still technically an NHL team. They lost seven to one to the New Jersey Devils tonight. We're recording this Tuesday night. So that is a bad thing. Whenever you lose seven to one to the New Jersey Devils, who had lost seven consecutive games in regulation coming up to that night. So, man, this is one of the worst teams we've seen in a long time. And like we were talking about this year coming into it, there being two teams that were going to be historically bad and Montreal's comfortably worse than both. For the record, I predicted this. Jacob, you were very high on Montreal last year. Like, oh, their underlying numbers are good. And I said, no, they're phony. I don't know if very I was very high, high on, on Montreal's I, I was very much they were riding Carey Price. Oh, once you, you know, got to the I playoffs, was, yes, I was high on them that, at the beginning. Like, oh, they've. I was high on them at the beginning of last season. But a big part of that calculus is Philip Deneau and Tomas Tatar who they yeah. don't have anymore. Yeah. Correct. Like, I love Philip Deneau. Everybody knows that about me. Well, so did Jacob. Jacob's dream for last offseason was Deneau. True. Man, he's having such a good year. He's so good. Let's talk about Deneau and McCann for another five minutes. I mean, they, no, let's not. Having, they're having great seasons. But, oh, you, but you the, don't want to? You don't want back, to? No, back on topic, when you talk about the Panthers five on five, whether you want to use expected goal differential, Corsi four percentage, Fenwick, the Panthers are – the best or or one of the top five teams in the NHL. If you want to use the non-fancy stats, if you just want to go basic and say goal differential, Mm -hmm. the Panthers have a plus 46 goal differential at five on five. Carolina is the the next best team at 34. They are 12 better than the second best team in goal differential. Mm -hmm. So for you non-analytics inclined people who probably aren't listening to us anyway, the Panthers... (laughs) are plus 46 so yeah i mean these are the things that tend to be the most um 
sustainable. And, you know, you can actually look at as predictive, not results oriented. You know, you can look at a stat and it can tell you something about what happened. Like, you know, Mason Marchment's a point per game player this season. Mason Marchment's a great player. Do we think he's a point per game player? I I honestly. All right. I'm sorry. You know what? I very clearly. Yes. I think he is a point per game player. But, um, you know, the, these are the things that they, they just, the, these stats, if you compare goals for percentage versus Corsi percentage, the Corsi percentage is a way better predictor of future winning and goals for that matter. So th- this is the stuff that tells you that this team is not a mirage. You know, this team is going to be there at the end of the year and anything can happen in a semi-game playoff series, but ultimately the teams that do well in these stats more often than not come out on top. You know, we, we saw again, referencing the Kings being a great Corsi team. They came into 2012, the playoffs that year as a top two or three team and pretty much every advanced stat there was. And despite the fact that they were an eight seed, having home ice and zero series in the playoffs, they won the cup. This oh, is, this is the stuff that good teams do. The Panthers are good. They're good. And how have they done it? by attacking all four lines, which is why I think the Panthers and it goes, it Jack, it was Jack Hanna that joined you, right? TJ. It was who? Jack, Jack, Jack yeah, Jack Hanna, Jack Hanna. Jack Hanna, sorry. sorry, I said Hanna. Jack, Jack Hanna. Hanna is the wildlife guy on, on one of the networks. Whatever. So yeah, Jack Hanna, like the way the Panthers beat you is you, they attack you with four lines, all out attack all the time. And yes, it's and especially as we are coming towards the break, you know, you saw the defense get sloppy and give up some really good chances against, and that needs to get cleaned up. But the fact that the Panthers can attack you with four lines and almost always control the puck leads to success. That is how you win in the playoffs. Yes, the Lightning have one of the, you know, the most talented rosters in the NHL last year, and they were 18 million above the salary cap. But the way the Lightning beat you was their third line was better than your second line. And their third line was attacking you like a second or first line would. Their fourth line was better than your third line, and their fourth line was attacking you like a third or fourth, like a, a second or third line would. And that's how they beat you. They wore you down. There was not a single downtime on the ice. So as soon as you slipped up, someone was speeding down the ice for an odd man rush. And that's exactly what the Panthers do. That's why you're seeing a fourth line of long. Lomberg, Lusterainen, and, you know, Vetrano, Tippett, or whoever they want to throw out there that night, put up points and dominate teams. Like, that's uh-huh. this, that's why this team is good. And you know who's not out there? They don't have a fighter. They don't have a slow enforcer plug. They don't have, you know, a, a defense-only guy. They don't have a face-off specialist. They have guys who can play good two-way hockey, but one know how to attack. And that's why they are so good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that guys, you know, on this team could potentially fit into the categories to some, when you say they don't have a defense only guy. Well, what about Radko Gudis? Well, Radko Gudis has always been a good player in all the facets of the game. I mean, he's never going to put up points, but he's a good transitional player and he's a great defender. You know, he, he's not just a good defender because he likes to hit and he's big. He's just a solid defender in every asset of the defensive part of the game. He can stick check. He can steal the puck. He's good at all of that. And, you know, Ryan Lomberg is not just a fighter. He's a good skater. 
he's better than better with his hands than we thought he could be. You know, he's, yeah. he's made a lot <laughs> more plays this hands. year. So though. it really should have been clear after that, after that overtime goal <laughs> in the playoffs last year. Right. And I mean, no, nobody's really that surprised about Luce Ryan and being good on the fourth line. I mean, he was an acceptable third line center last year. So, you know, putting him at the fourth line and, you know, he has another year of the NHL under his belt. So I'm not, I'm not shocked that he's putting together that kind of season. And then, you didn't even mention Patrick Hornquist, the most overqualified fourth liner in the league, really only there because of how deep the Panthers are. You know, he was on the second line a lot of last year and was pretty decent on the second line. We, we talk about him making 5.9 million and being 34 years old and, you know, that being a recipe for disaster down the road, but like in his fourth line minutes, he's doing a lot better than other fourth line players, quote unquote, would be doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a bash Hornquist. I mean, he's not the same player he was last year, but we knew that when he, you know, was brought yeah. in. And just to, not to correct you, but to correct, you, I think it's five point three, not five point nine. Not that it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, five five point nine is Barkov and Huberdeau. Yeah, yeah, those awful contracts given out by some computer boys. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's just like that's sorry, your I just had to hold my tongue really hard. <laughs> don't. Don't let's give that this, let's, let's send we'll, out the we'll, smoke. We'll, we'll talk about the team and maybe later, but it, it's just again, it's like, but yeah, Hornquist. There's a lot of teams who'd love to have him on their third line, not that ticket, but just Hornquist in general. And the Panthers can put him on the fourth line. And if you know he's banged up or he's just not producing, you scratch him. And there's four other guys who are either in the AHL or in the press box who can, you know, give you his production, maybe not in the same way but they can give you his production. Um, and talking about the team top to bottom, you know, we've talked about them having overqualified guys on pretty much every line. I mean, Barkov, there's, there's nothing higher than a first line. So that's where he's got to go. And I mean, they have Huberto on the second line. I, I guess that sometimes they have Huberto on the first line now. I can tell you one thing higher than a first line, and that's Yuri Hoodler. <laughs> So, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with the state of the Panthers forward group right now. Well, just you taught you taught you touched on Gudis earlier and I wanted to mention it and why Gudis is different than the other defensive defensemen, not to name any other names of defensemen that also start with the letter G. U D. Yeah. Oh yeah. G U D also starts with G U D. Gudis, when he gets the puck, he can make a good first pass. He can find the winger that is starting to go up the ice. He makes that pass. Is he, you know, going to make this, you know, 60-foot stretch pass between two defensemen to spring Barkov or Huber to want a breakaway? No, but he's going to hit the curling winger and start the breakout every time. He's rarely going to chip the puck up the boards for a turnover, and that's exactly what you want from your defensive defenseman. To make another Tampa comparison, Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda didn't do anything offensively the entire playoffs, but when you came down his side, he suppressed shots, he suppressed zone entries, and he made good zone exit passes. That's all he had to do, and that's all you want your defensive defenseman to do. If all if your defensive, like if your defensive defenseman can clear the clear crease, but when the puck is on his stick, all he does is shoot it out the zone. He's as worthless as a faceoff only specialist. <laughs> and I mean, this this is something that anyway, he, Nolachari is coming back soon. This is something that people that I don't even think grasp yes. about the value of defensive defensemen. Like they have to be able to turn defense into offense, not necessarily like 
you, you all of a sudden have a scoring chance because of a play that this defenseman made, but like the best way to never give up a goal is to always have the puck. So if you're constantly giving the puck away, Abolish defense. playing defense, like a Chris Russell, for example, you know, always the NHL all-time leader in block shots. Well, that's great. Like you got to block the shots because you don't have the puck. Like Eric Carlson's not going to have the block shots because he always has the puck. And that's part of the reason why a is so effective. And, you know, a guy like, uh, I don't know, uh, Derek Forbort isn't really as good. Okay. But in fairness to Derek Forbort, one of the most fun players to use in the NHL games in the video <laughs> games. <laughs> I can, I cannot uh, blame you for thinking that. Uh, I, I have kind of a philosophical question to ask you both, a hockey philosophy question. Do you differentiate between a defensive defenseman and a shutdown defenseman? No, no they should be the same thing. A defensive okay. defenseman should be, well, well, actually, well, let me, let me back up. A shutdown defenseman is an elite defensive defenseman. You want your shut, you want your defensive defenseman to be a shutdown defenseman. Think For Mark example, Agward Vlasic in his prime. Or like yeah. Mackenzie Weger. Mm. Yeah. Or I was going to say the uh, the guy in the wild that we all were, uh, Jonas Brodin. Jonas, Jonas Brodin, Brodin yeah. who I would not touch with the extension he got. No, no. That, that As soon as that contract was signed, you're just, just like, Ugh. your defensive defenseman should never be making more than like three to four AAV. Because they mean, just don't provide enough value. I mean, Weger again. Okay, but okay, but is Weger a defensive okay, defenseman? Yeah. I'm saying I, I consider Uyghur a shutdown defenseman. No, he is a shutdown defenseman who also gives you elite offensive five on five play for a defenseman. I'm talking about your defense only shutdown defenseman should never be making more than three to four AAV because they're just not enough value provided. Uh-huh. I mean, it's the same way with forwards. Like there are forwards that provide really good defensive value. They're just never going to be worth that much if they don't drive offense too. Yeah, Like uh, Colton Sevier, when he was here, and I know people will laugh at me for saying that, but he was always like a, a pretty good defensive forward. Not yeah, necessarily totally. like going to shut down McDavid, but, you know, one of the better defensive forwards on the team. And you, you were paying him basically nothing the entire time he was here. So, it's, it's- you know, he, he got lit up a little bit for not putting up the points, but like that wasn't why he was here. He was here to play defense, and that's what he did. Well, the difference is it's it's Jay Beagle on the on the uh, Capitals making you know 1.5 AAV anchoring the fourth <laughs> line of being one of the best defensive centers in the NHL, and Jay Beagle making four million on Vancouver, giving you the same defense, but now at four million AAV, you're expecting more, and you should be, and that's that's where you it's like the the, the value of the best defensive defenseman in the NHL to a middle defensive defenseman or defensive forward, the best one in the NHL to a, you know, above average one is nowhere near enough where you want to be paying them two to 3 million more AAV more than that guy who's middle of the road. Yeah. And I mean, Gudis makes 2.5 million. That's basically a drop in the bucket. If he were to start sucking tomorrow, you can drop him into the minors and cancel out 40% of his cap hit. Yeah. Right. I am curious just to kind of prove along the point that you guys were making. Um, according to Evolving Hockey, the highest, uh, the, the basically the forward with the best defensive value in the league right now is, at least at five on five, 
is Arturi Lekkonen. You're not going to pay him elite money. And you shouldn't be. Because no. his offense doesn't match up. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, second to Lekkonen is Patrice Bergeron, uh, whose even strength offense is actually worse this year than Lekkonen's. You, you're, I mean, this is not that unknown logic, but this was logic of the computer boy, and it's the logic of Kyle Dubas, who, while he's made some questionable decisions, like the way he's tried to build the team makes sense. Your money should be going to the people putting the puck in the net. Yeah, and I mean, like the one, some of the questionable decisions are like, why did he give Nick Ritchie more than the minimum contract? Like he doesn't put the puck in the net, you know? So most of the time where he goes wrong, it's because he's going away from that idea or, you know, going away from some of the things that the people in the analytics side of the game like to preach, you know, giving up a first round pick for um, what Nick, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Polino. Yeah, but I mean, he did nothing in the playoffs. And I mean, who could have seen that coming? Nick Foligno hasn't been a a great player for a long, long time. You know, he he was an underrated player for a while there. But I mean, just, you know, that that's not stuff that you need. Like, you can't leadership and determination your way to a Stanley Cup. You need talent. Yeah, you. uh, I want to talk about that in a second when we, you know, start talking about the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. What I do want to talk about, since we've spent a lot of time talking about the forwards, we've Obviously, throwing a ton of superlatives out there. Uh-huh. But I do want to spend a few moments talking about the guys coming back from injury, in, aka Noel Chari. And I want to talk about Owen Tippett and Frank Vetrano. Okay. Uh, you want to start with the Chari? Let's start with Tippett because I feel like we can talk about you know what we've heard. Uh, Jeff Merrick first reported it on 32 Thoughts, the uh, Hockey Night in Canada edition, that Basically, what he said is that all of the trade talks that he's heard the Florida Panthers involved in, they're dangling Tippett. So, like, when they make a major trade, we expect Tippett to be a part of it. Like, if they if they go out and get a you know a seventh defenseman, it's not worth it to give up Tippett for that kind of player. But you know they're going to add a significant piece of the trade deadline. Like the time is not to do that. Yeah. So they're pretty evidently going to. And Don't forget, next year we also have $5 million against the cap from Keith Yandel's buyout. Like, this yeah. is the year for the yeah, Panthers you, to make a splash. Yeah, you also have Barkov's new contract kicking in. Like, right. This is like, if you're going to go all in and burn some assets on a rental, even though I hate rentals, this is the year to do it because this is the best team you are going to have because of the cap constraints. Mm-hmm. Like, Unless you find, you know, unless there's a new Mackenzie Weger, like unless Cole Swint is Mackenzie Weger 2.0. Which he will be. Right. But you're not augmenting this team with a, you know, a superstar prospect. There's no more superstar prospects waiting in the wings. Like Tippett has been okay. He's stagnated a bit. And I do want to talk about that a bit. But like Denisenko, he's fine. Like there is no Lundell coming to augment this roster. Um. No, I guess there isn't anyone who has as high NHL impact odds, but I mean, don't overlook like Justin sort of is the guy that I'm going to keep going back to. I mean, I mean, but but do you see Justin sort of being anything more than a, I think our, I think our best non-NHL prospect is legitimately Cole Schwinn. Like I, I, I'm not doing bits here. Like I legitimately think that what he's doing in the AHL this year should not be overlooked at all. That's a pro league. And I mean, he's a great defensive player, and he's putting up some of the best offensive stats on the team. 
I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying what's waiting in the wings is all middle six, bottom six talent. Mm-hmm. And I don't even want to talk about defense because there's really not much there. They just haven't drafted there. And the guys, you know, the guys yeah. they have. We like, we like still, some of those guys, but we also don't expect them yeah. to be in the top four. Right. There's guys who it's like, okay, maybe you get a number six defenseman or number five defenseman. I don't want to. No, I, I genuinely think that Gildon and Ludwig could be NHL regulars. Uh, yeah, with Ludwig, like the injury, we haven't seen him play at all this year. He's coming off a very good AHL season. Gildon, I'm pretty sure the time is running out for him, but who knows? Again, could be isn't enough, isn't good enough when your right, team is right. a Stanley Cup contender. True. Five years ago, I would have said, okay, yeah, you know, you can get, if you can get, you know, six, you know, bottom six minutes out of these guys, bottom pairing minutes, great. But that's not good enough anymore. Your bottom six, your bottom six defensemen, your bottom pairing defensemen, need to be top four guys on bad teams. Oh, I have something that I'm going to hate to say, but I have to say it. All right, go for it. Um, We, just to compare Alex, that mentality that you're saying we shouldn't have anymore. I agree. And we need to put ourselves into a position where like Cole Schwint eventually becomes our Carter Verhage. Like eventually there's going to need to be a player that we just can't afford the minutes for. Yeah, and that's exactly going to go out and chase more money than we can pay and more time than we can give because they deserve it. Yeah, the Panthers need to be the team that's losing the Jonathan Marchessos. The 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 well, the Panthers already won the team to lose the Jonathan Marchessos. Now, weren't they? I'll disagree with you on on a player like that because you know Verhage was non-tendered. Marchessos was a group of six unrestricted free agents, so. If Tampa had played their cards right, they could have kept those guys for pretty cheap. You know, the, the opportunity was there to get to get rid of salary to make it work with them, and they just decided not to do it. But, but you know, like, they like had a, other guys, like an Alex Wenberg, for example. You know, he came in, he filled the role last year, great. Like, but guys like that aren't going to stick around; they're going to go get paid, and it's right. going to happen to, I don't know. Brad Kogudis or Brandon Montour or somebody like that. It's no. not going to happen to Gudis. He's 32. Yeah. No, we're, honestly, where we're going to see it is Mason Marchman. Yeah. Mason, Mason Marchman is going to, he's going to be a free agent this off, a UFA this off season. And some team is going to give him. Did we extend him already or no? No, no. He was extended for this year. Lomberg was the one who got the two year extension. Right. Yeah, Lomberg has the extension. But Marchman, if he continues this level of playoff, obviously not this level where he's point per game, but like, let's say he finishes <laughs> at like, a 0.5, 0.6 point per game pace to, you know, to finish the year. Um, he's going to go out there and get, you know, 16 million over four years, four point, you know. I, I don't know if I agree. I think a oh. player like Marchman could, would, could easily stay here for like a million and a half, two million bucks on a one or two. No, years. A, a, a dumb, I feel a dumb like the range of possibilities is, is too wide for me to say for sure. Like I could totally see either of those things happening because of the sample size. Like yeah, he's going to get the also, contract. He's going to get the Jay Beagle contract. I also do not believe, as much as I love, like, I genuinely think Mason Marchman is a great third line player. I do not believe that he's going to keep up his scoring pace. No, he's only scoring like this because he's got elite talent around him. He's he is the next David Clarkson if he go when, when he goes to another team. I'm calling my shot on that now. I'm Man, not I saying wish, I wish I had used Marchman as the Verhage to Tampa or the Tampa Verhage comparable instead of Colschwin. That would have been smarter and also but, more friendly but, to our brand. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the thing. And then, you know, back to where we were originally trying to say, he's like, 
Owen Tippett, yeah, he is available. It's no secret. He's going to be the guy that gets dangled. I honestly feel bad for him because I do too. His like his underlying numbers are solid. He what's funny is he was drafted as a guy who can shoot the puck, and he's done a lot of things right except shoot the puck well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's constantly in goal scoring position, and the puck will roll off his stick, or he'll hit the crossbar, or you know it'll hit a skate and whatnot. Like he's made a lot of good plays and just hasn't been rewarded. I mean, so we've seen is, so many other guys on this team like get an opportunity to perform at a level that they haven't ever done in their career before, and they they do it. So it does feel like a little bit unfair to say like, oh, you know, what do we, what do you expect? Like, you got to put him on a sec- NHL second line, and he's never done that before, and you know, he didn't immediately succeed. I mean, we're seeing Lundell do what he's doing at age twenty, where Tippett's two years older, right, and he's not putting up anywhere near that kind of impact. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a year where you can go up and down the lineup and just guy after guy is having career year, Owen Tippett's the guy who's not. So it's easy to make, I mean, yeah. if there is a quote-unquote scapegoat of the 2022 season, even though there shouldn't be considering the bands are first in the NHL, mm-hmm. it's Owen Tippett. He's the guy you look at and it's like, why doesn't his numbers match up, his draft pedigree, his skill level? And it's just like, and And frankly, the previous results, like he was, he was outstanding at the AHL level. Yeah, keep in mind, had he not gotten that wrist injury last year, he was headed to the AHL All-Star game. He was one of the best players in that league last year. Two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Two years Which, ago. I mean, is, is like the same uh, – I guess it was one year after the point that Lundell is at now because Lundell's draft was two. That was Tippett's draft was three year. But still, like, you know, I was talking about how Cole Schwentz having a really good draft plus three year. Like, Tippett's was better. Nope. NHL player. The puck's just not going in the net for him. And there's always that guy in one. There's always a guy. Even on a team that's in first place and everything is going their way, there's always that guy and it's Owen Tippett this year. And I mean, like, to further talk about him potentially being available in a trade, just going beyond, like, you know, is he going to be overvalued, undervalued? He's not the kind of player this team needs to augment their roster. Like, you know, if you want to improve from within – we don't need a guy that's all offense, no defense. Like we, we clearly don't need additional offense and Tippett's not a good defensive player. Like, you know, he's, I think he's good enough offensively to cover up for that fact and still provide a lot of value at the NHL level for a team that, you know, he'll, he'll be able to figure it out with eventually. I think that that's going to happen for him, but at the same time, like he's not really a fit on this roster as currently constructed or at the very least, like, you know, you wouldn't want to go out there and acquire an Owen Tippett like player for this team right now. So, you know, with the bird in the hand, why not, you know, turn that into something that helps you a little bit more, man. Owen Tippett would look so good next to Barrett Hayton. The Kachina Jersey. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would look Keller, good Hayton, in a Kachina because Tippett. anybody would look good in a Kachina. This is true. It's true. And, but, you know, I got to say that about the Seattle Kraken jersey as well. He would look good in that. Oh, Giordano is here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's also our boy. Or McCann. Yeah, McCann's never coming back, guys, I know. But just never just say never. Go, never say never, to, I agree. To go back to your point, TJ, you're absolutely right, though. You can remove Owen Tippett from the lineup tomorrow, and you replace his production with Frank Vetrano, Patrick Hornquist, 
you don't replace him with Vetrano. Vetrano's the other scapegoat this year. Well, the yeah, difference but what is he doesn't have the draft pedigree. You, if you trade Tippett and just immediately bump up a couple of players and then just put Patrick Hornquist back in the lineup, you'd probably forget. I, I think that his point well, is like we're seeing guys right. like Max Maxime Mammon come in and like they play next to you know the kinds of players that Tippett was playing next to last year. You know, famously or not famously, but you know, we all remember that he was playing next to Hubert Owen Bennett, and that was a great line. But you know, they put Duclair there, and it's even better. And they put Mammon on the top line, and he's meshing. For what with, it's worth, I don't think that's fair. Duclair is a much better player than Tippett. Yeah, I mean, like the bar shouldn't be be as good as Anthony Duclair because Anthony Duclair is outstanding. You know, like all I'm not trying a lot of to players say, are at that level. Go ahead. All, all I'm trying to say is the Panthers have three or four guys either injured or in the press box or in the AHL who can replace yeah. Owen Tippett and you do not miss a in beat. Instant. So, so if you can trade Owen Tippett for defensive help, you do it and you don't look back. And yeah, two to three years from now, Owen Tippett's a, you know, 25 goal scorer, you know, 45, 50 point guy. You good just for say him. good yeah, for I, him. I yeah. would rather have Jacob Chickren's name on the Stanley cup than have 25 goal scorer Owen Tippett without it. Yeah. Now, if you go and turn Owen Tippett into guy, someone like Ben Sherratt, I'm not going to be happy because now you got yeah. Owen Tippett in the division and you traded for a Met at best rental. But Met is kind. It is kind. Uh, hey, um, here's here's a quick pro tip: don't do anything with Montreal while they're as bad as they none are, of them. unless you can somehow save Brendan Gallagher from that tire fire. I would not want Brendan Gallagher's contract. No, yeah, really. No, that, he's he's gonna, so good though. But yeah, it's going to age, age so It's going to age badly, yeah. It's going to age like Hornquist. Okay, fine. Don't touch anyone on Montreal unless you can save Nick Suzuki from that yeah. tire fire. I would be, I would I don't be if fine I want that, that contract. No, I want Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki will be fine. Okay. Remember, but, he's in Montreal. No one's just looking good there. Just, just to – the only way – I mean, because I know we're going to start talking about the deadline anyway – uh, the only way I think the Panthers should have anything to do with Ben Sherrod if he is literally given to you for a seventh round pick, yeah. a sixth round pick is too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I, I just, know I'm being hyper. I don't understand what he does. Like he's not good defensively. He's, I guess he scores, but like goals by defensemen are so luck based. He like, had a good, he had a good six weeks in the playoffs um, last year. That's he, he didn't even have that good of a six weeks. Yeah, like he didn't. If you look I, at the stats, like he's worse than his teammates in pretty much everything. I boiled, I boiled down the reason that Ben Sherratt is on the trade board at all. And it's very simple. He's six foot three. He has a lot of hits and he was in the Stanley Cup finals recently. End of list. Yeah. But, the, but you guys really wouldn't take Brendan Gallagher at six and a half until he's 36? Like, no. Look Come at Patrick on, we, Hornquist. We have enough cap issues. As I think is. Gallagher is much better than Hornquist. Gallagher's Horn, a real Hornquist. Shooter. Hornquist was really damn good when he was Gallagher's age. He was yeah, compared really Hornquist fucking good. Not Patrick to say Hornquist that Gallagher 34? isn't really damn good now, but just 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 I, that I think out. Gallagher is a better shooter than Hornquist. Uh, so you mentioned him when we were talking about like what, you know, the, the trade deadline talking points, but I don't really feel like there's a whole lot to say here in regards to Frank Petrano. Do you guys agree that basically just like, 
it, it's pretty unlikely that he's going to be sought after at the deadline. So, you know, even though he's mainly going to be like a 13th forward guy, just keeping him as an own rental is probably the Panthers best option. Right. I don't know. I feel like keeping him as an own rental only makes sense if he's actually playing well and he's not, if you can find a buyer for Frank Vetrano. Yeah. Well, the thing whatever. is like, I, 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 I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't think it should, but if someone wants to take a flyer, if another competitor, like if another contender wants to say like, Hey, here's a fourth round pick for Frank Vetrano, I think you probably just take that. Like take the money and run at that point. Vetrano's not doing anything for you right now. Yeah, at a fourth round pick, I don't think you do just to have schmuck insurance if all goes wrong in the playoffs and guys start going down. I'd much rather have Frank Vetrano to slot into the lineup than, okay. than a fourth round pick. Now, if someone says like, hey, I'll give you, you know, let's just say there's a playoff team that has a non-playoff team's third round pick. I start to start to think about that because you can use that in either you can flip that in a trade or what because the Panthers they don't you know we're so used to Panthers having all this draft ammunition they don't have much they don't have a first round pick they don't have a second round pick like they you know I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Jacob Chikrin but like one of the big issues the Panthers have is they do not have a 22 first to dangle to 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 dangle to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin and you know for all those people out there because we've all seen the offers Frank Vetrano is not going to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin. No, they don't want him at all. Vetrano has no value to a rebuilding team. None None. whatsoever. None. Like the only way I could see it happening is like uh, Calgary apparently is in on depth scoring. I can't remember who said that. Uh, It was was in the insider trading TSN. But yeah, they're, they're not a rebuilding team. That's what I'm saying. Like if another contender wants to take a flyer on them, sure. Yeah, that's the only way I could see it happening. And still, I, I think it's pretty unlikely. So I think Frank Petrano is not really even going to be dangled out there because they know they can't get much for him. Um, so you mentioned Jacob Tricker. Why don't we just go ahead and start talking about him? Uh, uh, real, my my real, response real, to this is pretty simple. What? Real quick. Uh, the 27, the age 27 to 30 player cards uh, for Hornquist and Gallagher. <clears throat> Hornquist is way better. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Horn- Hornquist's evolving hockey <laughs> metrics are insanely, insanely, insanely good. Oh, like, yeah. he, he was he was a, an elite net front guy all throughout his career. And, like, when he was able to play huge minutes and go out there and take that kind of punishment, like, that has such a huge impact. That's the highest leverage point on the ice. So if you're making a big difference there, it's like a goaltender does. You know, it's basically the inverse of that. You know, he's a guy that's turning shots into goals where – you know, the goaltenders turning goals into saves. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Our forwards, regardless of size, do not age well. There isn't yeah. one out there that aged gracefully. I they mean, the thing about Hornquist is that he's just really old at this point. Like, yeah, he's 35. It's not even that he aged poorly. He's 35, isn't he? Well, no, yeah. but like, but like you see, like Pavelski's, you know, aging like fine wine, like guys who have more skill to their game age better. Guys who, Go to the front. That's literally what I've been saying. Gallagher is one of the guys who has more skill, but he's a power. He has more skill, but he's still a power forward. He still makes his bread going to the front of the net. Like Chris Kreider, he's having an amazing season, but how many times? Like if you look at his hot zone, it's all around the net. Fucking score! Chris Kreider is going to win the goddamn rocket. I I mean, I would, I would enjoy that because I, I think he's a fun guy to root for. But like, I I agree with Alex. I like Chris Kreider quite a bit. I, I agree like, with Alex though that like I, I don't see it lasting. Okay. Like you know, in future years. Yeah. 
Okay, so I was about to say with Jacob Chikrin, like I feel like there's a nuanced discussion to be had here, but my point of view is barely cut and dry. Like I don't want any part of the asking price for Jacob Chikrin. I just don't think he's worth it. Oh, as the asking price stands, absolutely not. But I don't. I don't like like. I it doesn't even need to be Lundell and Knight. Like I wouldn't give up a first round pick for him. Like I, I he's having really? a terrible season. Disagree. He's having a terrible I, season. He, he is, but if I, I I think we're kind of falling into the same trap the three of us fell into last deadline, where good players on bad team had bad teams had horrible analytics, and we were just like, nope, don't want anything to do with them. And all three of us made that mistake with Montre. We all made the mistake with Sam, with Sam Bennett, and all three of us were wrong. And I think Jacob um, Chickren's player, player card is a lot better than any of theirs. Exactly. He's had a bad year compared to how he was last year, but that team is a tire fire. A defenseman cannot save a bad team. Like, All right. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another reason that I don't really want to have to deal with the asking price for him. Similar to Tippett, I don't think he's what we need. Like he's another all offense player. And I think that his value is getting propped up by the fact that he's a defenseman that scores goals, which I think he, is a thing that really like comes and goes. Like he's I don't not all offense. He's not a good defensive player. Ah, uh, his three-year player card would disagree. His one-year player card for this year would disagree. His one-year player card shows that even strength defense is what's holding him above water. It's his offense that's taken the that's taken the hit this year. Yeah, his player card defensively is still pretty good. Yeah, but is that because nobody else on Arizona is any good defensively? I don't know. Okay, no, but then saying, you okay. can make the inverse argument for his offense. If his Let's, offense is bad, is that also because he doesn't have anyone to fucking throw the puck to? Well, Shane Gostisbehere is not having that problem. And he was a guy that was given away last year. Like, you could have had him for nothing. The Coyotes got him with a second round pick as a sweetener to take on the last two years of his deal. I would take Jacob Chikrin. I, I would not pay what Arizona is asking. Well, I, I don't think, think that their starting price is absurd. But well, if you're the one selling, you start the negotiation high. Also, they That's... have plenty of leverage. They're they're basically only trying to trade him so they can get something that makes more sense with their you know timeline because he's not let, let, be let's, when they're good. Let's take a step back. We don't really know what the asking price is. We were told two, you know, former first round picks and a future first. Merrick is the one who out of his own ass said Knight and Lindell plus a first. And everyone basically everyone that is connected to the Panthers just laughed at that. You know, no one's, you know, outright said Merrick is wrong because Merrick is a respected, you know, hockey national guy. But everyone, you know, George has said, you know, Lundell's not on the table for Chikrin. Of course he's said Well, I mean, Merrick is basically speculating upon what the Coyotes' asking price was. So that doesn't infer anything about what the Panthers are willing to do. But it also doesn't even... But it also doesn't infer what the next year's first also fit that bill. Correct. And I honestly think that's a much more reasonable... Do I think that's enough for Chikrin? I don't think so because it's a 23 third first instead of a 22 but I also but if Arizona says yes to that offer, you sign the paper and welcome Jacob Chikrin home. I agree. I'm just I'm simply saying that I think everyone is kind of knee-jerking to Merrick's offer and thinking that Arizona is asking that much because let's be honest, 
that's an insane ask for 95% of the NHL. 99.9. Like, there's, there's very few players in the NHL that if they hit the market would get that in a trade because Lundell is an, is a high-end center prospect. I know he, his analytics haven't really caught up yet, but he's still a high-end uh, high number two center prospect in his draft plus two year. And Spencer Knight is still a top three goalie prospect in the NHL, despite his struggles this year. So no one, like there's very few players in the NHL that you would say, oh, I would give both of those guys for them. And Jacob Chikrin's nowhere near that. Nowhere near. Yeah. I just, I just, like I've said, don't really see it. Like, I think that he's getting overvalued because of the the goal scoring and that comes and goes with defensemen. Like, I don't think he's Brent Burns. I don't think he's going to be able to score like that year in, year out. I'm just saying this is just Brandon Montour last year all over again. There is a history of playing well and then playing on a bad team and seeing a dip in his numbers. Okay, well, that's that's great. Like Brandon Montour ends of the ice. Brandon Montour is, is, is still not worth a heck of a lot. Like, I'm glad we got him for three. No, I'm just using that as an example. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not Chikrin saying is a Chikrin much better Montour the same trade. return as Montour. But uh, I'm saying as there is much like Montour last year, there is a history of success in both ends of the ice, followed by a tanking of numbers because his team is terrible. So with Bennett and Montour last year, I think that we could agree that if not the primary problem that like one of the biggest problems that they were having was their team was not utilizing them properly. Why right. wouldn't Arizona be utilizing Jacob Chickman properly? He's their best player. It's not that they're not utilizing it properly. It's their team is trash. You but they were trash like, last year and he no, put up they, great numbers. They were but terrible. Yeah, but they went, no, right. But they went from terrible to like, this is fucking embarrassing bad. Look at all of their numbers. Like they're, awful I know they're they historically suck. right but they're historically awful look when the i mean i know you're still betting but when the when the hard rock app was live one of the easiest bets in the world was anyone playing the coyotes puck line yeah and you were st- and you were winning it easily yeah they're that bad and that's with them getting like an insane season from their goalie that they got out of nowhere like valamaki or whatever his name is Vimelka. yeah Vimelka. like Valamaki is uh, is totally different. Valamaki is a Flames defenseman, Yusuf Valamaki, yeah. uh, who looks an awful lot like Nick Bugstad. He does. He really does. He's finished Nick Bugstad. Whatever, but you get my point. Like, there's you cannot like bad players on good players on bad teams can still like Pavel Burry when the Panthers were really bad was still putting up you know sixty goals a season because a forward can still shine on a bad team. A defenseman on a bad team has no shot of looking good. You you just can't save it. Unless you are, you know, Eric Carlson level, which Chikrin's not, you can't save a bad team. You cannot shine on a bad team as a defenseman. But if if you're the Florida Panthers and you're Bill Zito and you can bring Jacob Chikrin in and it, and it doesn't cost you anyone from your main roster, not named Owen Tippett, you do it and you do it gladly. I think I feel like we're saying the same things over and over again. So maybe let's move on. Um, is is Mark Giordano the consensus number two 
like trade option for the Panthers yeah, after. Yeah, at least as far as defensemen are concerned. So, yeah. so what are the pros and cons for you guys? Because I, I think I've made my point pretty clear. Like he's a good puck mover, could play with Ekblad. If you get him, you can probably convince him to sign next year for very cheap because he's at the cup chasing age, and he's just a good player. I mean, Giordano, I think, is a true rental. I, I, I honestly think he's probably done regardless. He's 35, 36. He's not going to get another big money contract. Still putting up numbers. He's still putting up numbers, but, like, he just, to me, he seems like the guy, like, especially if he goes on, like, let's say he comes to South Florida, goes on a, let's say the conference finals, and that's where the Panthers he's lose. 38. He's good. I think he hangs it up. Especially, mm, you know. If, I don't agree, but go ahead. I, I, to me, that's just what it feels like. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's there. He, he, he got his last big contract. He got, I think he's making like 5 million this year. I don't see a team paying him 5 million next year. I, I would think he's probably gets in the two range. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a great addition. And then where you, if you can get him to stay a, a second year, you do it. I'm just saying to me, Giordano feels like a true rental where this is his last ride whether he wins a cup or not, especially if he wins a cup, he's out, he's done. Oh, if he wins a cup. Well, if he wins a cup with us, like, I don't care. Exactly. I agree. No, I agree. I'm just saying, like, let's, in our minds, let's consider Giordano a true rental because I just don't see him playing next year. Great. Then Giordano Ekblad, Forsling Uyghur, Gudis Carlson, win the cup, let him retire and be happy with what you gave up for Giordano. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I feel like the price is going to be pretty reasonable. Because, oh, true. I forgot about, I forgot about Montour, even though we were literally just talking about him. Yeah. You play him over Carlson as much as I like Carlson. It's fine probably, but you know, this is a, a guy that I feel like is not going to cost you nearly as much as Chickren would. Sure. And is just having a better season. Like Seattle's also a shitty team. He's having True. a much better season than Chick Reynolds. I agree, I guess. I just, I mean, I guess the question becomes, what, what are you willing to, are you willing to give Owen Tippett for Giordano? Oh yeah. For, for, for one playoff push of Giordano? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tippett has no future on this team anyway. I, I wouldn't say I, that. I wouldn't say that, but like I would do it. I agree. And I, maybe it's just my bias, my bias against rentals. I just don't think you get, I mean, Tippett doesn't have a fit on this team. I just don't think Tippett for a rental is a good use of Tippett's asset. Um, normally, Alex, and this is something that we are going to have to change as Panthers fans. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I typically have a bias against rentals. Mm-hmm. But let's consider, when's the last time that the Panthers were truly in a position to take on a rental and make a serious cup run. It was probably 1990 never. My bias against rentals stems from the fact that I've never really believed that the Panthers can win a cup. Right. And we're always in the position where Dale Talon's like making gestures that he's going to make a big move to, you know, get the team from 10th place to seventh place. And And it's like, Oh, great. We're going to pay for the privilege of losing to in five games to a team that is actually any damn good, you know? It this was always is the a bad first idea. Time that the Panthers have truly, truly, truly been like, "Holy shit, this team can win a cup," yeah, and I yeah. truly believe that. And because of that, I'm fine with a rental. And you, if it you, means you do that not want to get Barkov left holding the bag in this situation. The cup. You do not want to get left holding the bag, thinking about what could have been if you, you know, upgraded that one spot on the roster. Because right. starting next year, things get a little bit trickier. And that's not to say I don't think the Panthers will be cup contenders next year. I totally think they will, but. 
Things get a little oh, bit trickier. You, oh, you have to upgrade. I'm just saying if the price for Giordano is a guy like Tippett, you start looking everywhere else first to see something you can find someone with term. That gives you maybe not Giordano level, but maybe slightly under it. That's someone mm-hmm. you can control and get two cup runs. Yeah, out. here's another thing about the rental. Like next year, where, where's the cap space coming from to bring in somebody with term? You know? Right. Well, you, well, what I'm saying is you're kind of doing like what Tampa did when they traded a first round pick for Coleman and, and the other guy they got, uh, who's Barkley Goudreau. Barkley Goudreau. And, yeah. and Goudreau. Like you're getting guys who have term at a very reasonable salary you can keep without you know, killing your cap space. That's what I'm saying is you should be, you should be looking to turn Tippett into as someone who has two years and like 1.1 million on their contract. That's going to give you valuable minutes. If you can't get, if you can't turn Tippett and Dennis Anko and whatever into Chikorin, that's what I think you should be trying to turn Tippett into not a rental, but I do agree with you. You cannot walk away from this trade deadline without a, a legitimate top four defenseman and just to repeat the point, Ben Sherratt is not that person. Right. So there's pretty much only two on the market then. Oh, okay, Shaker but they're NGO. Okay, today there is two on the market. But what you have to remember is this is like the East is set. There's eight teams in the East. Those are the playoff teams. Like someone is going to have to collapse to not make the playoffs in the East. Though if you listen to uh, – one of these sends Homer talking heads who said that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Like I saw that tweet. Points out of the They're playoffs. only 21 points out. Guys, don't call I, it I, a comeback. Yeah, don't call um, it a comeback. I did forget about my guy, and he's been my guy. Oh, and Calvin my, DeHaan? No. Fuck Calvin DeHaan. That's not true. I do like Calvin DeHaan. Artem Zub? Um, no. I love what? Artem Zub. Uh, Hampus Lindholm. He's not going anywhere, though. I don't think so. You don't think so? I really don't. Like the the, the ducks, ducks are in it. The ducks, the ducks also the ducks love to keep their team together. Like they, they when Alex, was the last time they got rid of anybody? Yeah, but they, they just had a change of Alex, they just Alex, had a change I want you to know that the ducks are third in the Pacific, uh, with forty eight games played. Fourth place is the Flames with forty two games played. Well, I mean the Flames so, are definitely like, but the the ducks are still in the. Playoff I don't know race. if I'd say the ducks are really in it. The well, the the ducks are in the playoff race. Like That's, you can't say the ducks are gonna. That's give up first of all that's never been the way that they've operated and second of all like they they love their guys like they Wait, have guys, always kept we're forgetting their guys. something we're forgetting about one very important player okay and that is uh the the panthers very own points per 60 leader marcus nutivara the, who will have to return year. from injury eventually he, he's out for the year. oh he is he is out for the year yeah no but, I, but, I feel but, i feel pretty confident about that from what i've heard Back to what I'm saying is you're going to have a buyer's market like we've never seen before because, like, the East is set. You've got a bunch of teams who are out of it, like Montreal's going to sell, Ottawa's going to sell, Buffalo's going to sell, Detroit's going to sell, New Jersey's going to sell, Philly's going to sell, the Islanders are going to sell, Columbus is going to sell. You're going to see all of these teams selling, and they're going to be selling defensemen. Like, yes, right now we're only hearing really about two defensemen available, but more are going to hit the market. And you're going to see guys with term hit the market because, like, you're looking. A lot of these teams are looking at multi-year rebuilds. I, so, like, yeah. I mean, the 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 Coleman and the Goodrow trades that you brought up as like examples of what the Panthers could look to do. I I feel like that's really not replicable because those guys were making so little that it didn't make sense to bring in their term. Whereas, like, you know, I'm I'm looking around for guys with term 
that don't make any money. And it's like the only one I could really see fitting that profile. That's a defenseman, you know, because we wouldn't really be going after a forward the same way Tampa was is um, uh, Scott Mayfield, who I think he's is right a solid side. player, but I, 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 it's a stretch to say he's a top four defenseman. Also Panthers fans hate him. He's also a right shot defenseman. He's he a also, right shot. He also hurt Barkov. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I thought that was so a he can play. fuck himself. You know, I yeah. mean, he couldn't hurt Barkov if he was on this team. I'm just putting it out yeah. there. Yeah, where yeah but I don't want him. Like, you where? know, going going through these teams that are eliminated, we agree. Like the Flyers, are they going to trade Travis Sanheim? <laughs> you know, I like Travis Sanheim, but are you really going to go out of your way to try to get him at 4.6 for the next two years? Like that's such a big difference over getting Giordano, who I think is better right now. You know, that might be a little bit up for debate, but I think Jordan is better right now than Sandheim. And, you know, you don't have to worry about that, what you're going to do to maneuver in that second year. Yeah, I get it. I'm just saying, okay, go Jacob. I found the answer. What's the answer? The solution to all of our problems. The answer to our prayers, the man whose name will be on the cup. The one, the only. Mark Pesek. <laughs> You know, you know, I, I, I do think that they should go after him. Like, <laughs> throw Buffalo a third what kind round of year. Pick. Is he having actually? Oh. I haven't even looked. Oh he's my good. god, he's having an insane year. Actually, I mean, he, he's always been overvalued by evolving wait, hockey. But like, wait, I'm actually getting all the way on board. No, this is hockey viz. Uh, I'm getting all the way on board to bring Tippett back. Pissick. Yeah, that is certainly what I meant. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, Pesic's like, always I, had really good analytics. Yeah, the, the thing is that we have so many good third pairing options. Like, it really does. It really is difficult to like make the case that you need to bring him in. But like, it certainly would be a good move. You know, if you're going to get a depth defenseman, that was would be the number one guy on my list for sure. Is Pesic a good uh, a good you know replacement for Carlson in the lineup? Sure, probably. But well, again, that's, you're not looking to replace Lucas Carlson either. Right. You're looking to, you're slide, looking to replace at the top. Right. You're mm-hmm. looking to bump down. So your bottom pairing is like Montour Gudis. Uh-huh. You need, yeah. Like you need someone like this. We're looking, you're looking for a partner for Aaron Eckblad. Yeah. And Mark Pesic is not a, uh, a partner for Aaron Eckblad. I, I, I really think the only two obvious guys that fit that criteria we've we've harped on like somebody else might come up but like there's no real reason to like hone in on somebody and say you know this is the reason why i think they might come up like no i i do genuinely think that calvin dehan like if you're looking for someone to partner with ekblad you're not looking for dehan but you could easily go uyghur ekblad dehan forsling yeah but dehan's left-handed so that's what you do you want a left-handed yeah, so you wouldn't. Oh, want Dahan to do, Forsling. You no, wouldn't no, want to no, do yeah. Dahan Forsling. Or no, Dahan you wouldn't Montour. Want... Yeah. I mean, you could do Forsling weaker, and then Dahan Ekblad, or you know, I, I, I'm. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. The uh, question it, there it's, is, it's, do you trust hard, Calvin Dahan to play top pair? So, like, maybe that guy's out there, Alex, but I, I don't know who the obvious candidate is. If if Travis Sanheim were to become available, I would look into that. But, uh, you know, even a guy like uh, Klingberg, you yeah. know. No. Well, he's a right player. shot as well. Good no, player, right, but, yeah, right shot. I don't think he's good. 
The Panthers oh, right. have the, the issue is the Panthers have four right shot defensemen. Yeah. And none of them are coming out of the lineup barring injury. Mm-hmm. So you cannot add a fifth. I know I handedness isn't the most important thing. Frank Saravelli said that right-handed it was what they would be looking for so they could move Gudis out of the top four. I, I disagree for the reasons that you said, but like, you know, he knows something, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, Saravelli is one of the best, but that that just doesn't make sense to it me. It doesn't make that, sense to, to me run, either. To run a five five right-handed defenseman, you mm-hmm. know, decor, it just doesn't make sense to me. All right. Klingberg um, is having a fucking terrible year, by the way. You think you think Chikrin's bad. Like, you do not want to look at Klingberg's numbers if you think Chikrin is bad. On a good team. I mean, um, the stars are fine. They're better than Arizona. Yeah. And Klingberg's numbers on a better team are garbage. Hot garbage. Pure garbage. Absolute garbage. Are they bad? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not great. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, what about Eric Carlson, guys? How about that? No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, so I have anyone? <laughs> not to not to start going full fantasy def- fantasy, you know, GMing here, but like Winnipeg's a team that's probably going to sell. Chicago's a team that's going to sell, but we already talked about Tehan. If Winnipeg sells, I wonder if you can pry Josh Morrissey away. I doubt it. I wouldn't want like, it. Like he like really? he's another guy okay. that's just had awful metrics for a few years in a row, and he's got a big contract. I mean, I, I could totally <gasps> see the Bill Zito thing of taking a guy on the off a team that's like, you know, not in the best position to maximize him. And all of a sudden he's great. I could totally see it happening, but it's a big risk. You know, we, we don't want to totally sabotage the future of this team by taking on an albatross contract, you know, potential albatross. So uh, why don't we talk about if it's worth it to go after a forward at all. I know Alex was on the good or not Goudreau train. If, if Goudreau's out there, by the way, I'm giving up the whole fucking world for him. He is. There's no shot though. There's no shot. You're right. Yeah. But I've given up everything I have, you know, just to, for a little bit of that Johnny, Johnny hockey sauce. But um, I just don't I, see any way. Uh, I don't see any yeah. reason to add a forward unless a guy like Giroux is just like, all right, the, the price, the price works. We struck out on our, on our top four defensemen and yeah. you ended up with a more. That's Pesic, the key so. thing. Yeah. Right. The clear priority is to add a top. And four the defense. opportunity cost of going after a uh, forward first, like it leaves you with fewer assets. And we've already talked about the Panthers not being particularly asset rich and the salary cap is a thing that you have to consider. So if they go out and they get a big forward salary, at least relative to what, kind of salary cap space they're working with you got to fit in a d under that then and the d is the obvious priority so and i i say that <laughs> there is one caveat that i have the d is the obvious priority look oh geez what a child <laughs> i'm very tired yeah it's yeah, past my bedtime yeah the thing is with the panthers because of having to use ltir like they only have about 3.898 million of deadline cap space to use. So they're go- like, they're not going to be able to bring in two big salaries. They're just not. Yeah. Unless- that's enough salary to, to fit in um, Giordano at 50%, which you would assume that Seattle would do that without really having any problems with it, but then nothing else really. Right. You're not, get- you're not getting Giordano and Giroux. You're not getting Chikrin and Giroux. Like you're not, you're just not. They don't have the cap space. Can you they don't imagine? Have the 
if they figured that. Yeah, this is an out. NHL 22. You're not going to. Yeah, do you it. you can't play with salary cap off. <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, like, look, this is an NHL 22. You you trade Patrick Hornquist, but like, I don't think they're going to do that at the. I deadline. don't think so either. I mean, he's still got a no trade clause. I think it's a 16 team no trade clause. But like, I think so. I yeah. You, Wait, you, they're not. Let's let's play uh, an NHL 22 fantasy trade that solves all our problems. Ready? Okay. Patrick Hornquist for Chris Letang. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Call Toronto, send it in. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, like they're like there's no they're, they're not gonna go after a depth forward because like we've spent most of this podcast talking about they have an embarrassment of riches and forward depth. Like, so they don't need a bottom six guy, they don't need a grinder, they don't need a fighter, they don't need a physical guy, they don't need any of that bullshit. They don't even need the quintessential depth center that every playoff team is supposedly going after at the trade deadline. They've got Noel Chari, who, yeah. unless he's 100% healthy, I don't want him in the lineup. Yeah, uh, I can I can see that. Well, So, yeah, like, the only reason they would ever go after a forward at this deadline is if they strike out on all of their, you know, premium defensive options. And it's like, okay, Claude Giroux's out there. We can get it done for Owen Tippett and, you know, a – a future second round pick. Yeah, okay, let's right. do it. I'm, but I'm, I'm just saying. That's, I know, but that's how the Panthers end up in the market for one of the impact forwards. Like, that's it. It's not anything else because they don't need a forward. They're the number one offense in the NHL. They are historically good offensively, and that's with a power play that shit the bed for the first quarter of the season. Like they were the worst power play in the NHL, like 25 games into the season. And now they're up to 18th. So like that, that's already regressing back to the mean, like we all expected it to. So they don't need a forward. They're historically good at forward. So they need a defenseman. That's it. Mm-hmm. Comfortably number one league at expected goals for uh, at five on five, but uh, middle of the pack in terms of defensively, which, you know, like I said before, you kind of got a little bit of the equal and opposite reaction going on. You know, you're generating a lot of offense. It's going to give the other team offensive chances, but you know, it, it still presu- presents the, uh, the obvious caveat of like, you know, if you can improve your defense, that's probably should be what you're doing. Cause uh, we've seen what kind of uh, games happen in the playoffs and tend to be low scoring. Uh, one little correction there, TJ. Uh, I would not say the Panthers are middle of the pack in terms of scoring chances against. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Panthers rank seventh in the league in terms of good uh, in five-on-five Corsi against for 60 minutes. Well, what about expected goals, though? Because I remember them being in the teens. Yeah, they're middle of the pack expected goals at five-on-five. They give up. They give up chances. That's the style they play. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's fine okay. in the regular season for sure. Okay, that's and in the playoffs, that's one place to look at because you you know if you have weaknesses, teams generally find a way to exploit it, and that's what happened in the Stanley Cup uh, when Nashville played Pittsburgh. Nashville was clearly the better team; they had way more puck possession, they had better scoring chances. But Pittsburgh jumped on their third pairing's defensive weaknesses, and Crosby and Malkin feasted, and they managed to win the series somehow because of that. Just at home, look at the Panthers and Lightning last year. Like mm-hmm. that was an evenly matched series where the Panthers had a lot of advantages over the Lightning, despite you know the 18 million over the cap. But Tampa was able to find some places they could exploit, 
AKA, you know, Brandon, uh, it's a Brandon point. Sorry. Brandon, Brandon. Brandon point uh, speed against Mackenzie Weger. And they were able to, you know, capitalize on the, on things like that and take the series. Now with Aaron Eckblad back, not that he's much a much faster skater, you still have ways to counter it a bit better. I'm just saying you're exactly right, TJ. In the playoffs, you can exploit weaknesses, and that's why it's really important for the Panthers to get a uh, a top four defenseman. Um, move. Is there any? Is there anything else trade deadline we need to talk? Oh, ted, deadline we need to talk about. I really don't think that there's anything else. Do Flurry goalies? Do we want goalies? Yes, I, we want. We want Mark Andre Flurry. Again, just because of the cap space, it's the same thing as a forward. <laughs> if you strike out on all of your big defensemen, you know, go get a get a goalie. Um, the Imagine one thing we have running a Flurry Bobrovsky tandem into the playoffs, though. I mean, but it doesn't really matter. Two Flurry of the three best goalies of the last ten years. The other one being the recently retired Henrik Lundqvist. Oh yeah, shout out to Hank. I love him. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on yet, the Panthers signed arguably the top uh, UDFA goalie out on the market, Matt Guzda, a Sunbelt kid out of uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Born in Knoxville. A, yeah, born in Knoxville. That's a surprise signing because he was rumored to be talking to teams like Toronto, Pittsburgh, Ottawa, and You others. know, teams without a stud 20-year-old goal. Yes. Yeah, so so <laughs> the, Panthers, the Panthers being the team to sign Guzda was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, um, more than a bit. Yeah, the That's one thing this the one thing this does not signal, and you heard Darren Dreger talk about it today on Insider Trading. This does not mean anything about Spencer Knight. You already saw a couple of people saying, "Oh, does this mean the Panthers are willing to trade one of their goalies?" No, this is simply building goaltending depth because after Spencer Knight, you have nobody. Like you have nobody in the wings, and you need like goalies are like quarterbacks in college. Like you always need to be having goalies in your system that you're bringing up because you never know when a guy's going to get hurt and you know two guys get hurt and you need your third goalie. Like you just need to always be developing goalies. And Guzda clearly liked what the Panthers, you know, are doing with their goaltending excellence department led by Luanco. So he chose to sign here. Uh, it doesn't mean anything for Spencer Knight. I don't know anything about Matt Guzda other than the fact that he is six foot five and Luongo liked him. So cool. He's Actually, playing for Barry of the, the OHL, Barry Colts, also uh, where Ekblad came from. Aaron Ekblad, yep. And uh, before then, he was in uh, Owen Sound. That doesn't really matter. Uh, he's coming off being the goaltender of the month in the OHL in January and the prior December. So that's pretty solid. And he's 21. So he's overage. He should be kind of overachieving. Um you know, like I already kind of implied, I think it's really weird that he ended up signing with the Panthers, given that Spencer Knight is right there. And, you know, Bobrovsky's also not going to be going anywhere for a little while, too. But clearly he likes what the goaltending uh, excellence department was uh, marketing at him. And, you know, maybe he's thinking if he's really good in the AHL, that somebody will come get him and make him their starter. If Bobrovsky and Knight are still blocking him, I don't know. But I, yeah, I goalies don't stay buried. Goalies don't stay blocked for long. It's it's that simple. If a goalie is good enough and he's playing in the AHL, someone is going to come. Get, you're going to get used in a trade. So, it's I don't think I don't think uh, you know this was a bad decision by obviously not because we're homers and we're Panthers fans, but like I don't think the fact that Guzda is blocked by uh, by Knight and Bob means anything. Yeah, I guess that we're all we're putting this all in the context of if everything goes right, like 
the signings like this, they don't tend to become awesome players. Like one of the most um, notorious may not be the right word, but like, remember the big frenzy about signing the college free agent that was Jimmy VC <laughs> and how good was Jimmy well, VC's become. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while. He hey, pop quiz to everyone who's listening without looking it up. Where does Jimmy VC play right now? Buffalo, right? No, they, he got kicked I out of Buffalo. New Jersey. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, he was right. in Buffalo. In I thought that was last then he year. Went to, then he went to Toronto. Yeah, he's yeah, he was around in Toronto everywhere. briefly. But, like, that's the point. He was, like, there was an entire summer. The summer of 2016 was dedicated yeah, it was Jimmy to VC where is Jimmy VC going to end up? And now I don't think most people would be able to tell you what team he plays for without looking at it. Yeah, I, I think the best college free agent in the NHL right now might be Zach Aston Reese. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. cool. I was right. He does play for the Devils. Look at me. And I mean, and, and, and before anyone says, oh, Adam Fox, the Adam Fox only reason it wasn't that became an issue is not because people didn't think he, he was also good. wasn't a free agent. Yeah, he, right. he doesn't it, count as a UDFA. He was drafted. Right, but what I'm saying is, traded. I guess if a tra- uh, VC was also drafted, technically. Right, but what I'm saying is the issue, like the for anyone trying to bring up Adam Fox, it wasn't that people like he was under underrated and then got to UDFA. It was he told uh, Calgary and then Carolina, "I'm not playing for you. I will only play for the New York Rangers." So that's the only reason he even started getting towards UDFA. Or not UDFA. By, by the way, looking back on that, it's hilarious that this guy who had never played an NHL game is like, I'm only going to play for the Rangers, which is just like a weird way to think when you're like 21. I guess 21 is still I mean, young. it worked. It did work, like, but I think it's kind of strange. Like, you would want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm gr- grateful to get an NHL opportunity. You know, wh- who I play for doesn't really matter that much. Nope, he was like, I want to go to the Rangers. And then he just became the best defenseman in the NHL, just like that. Well, if, if I remember right, his family has got money. So he literally had nothing to lose by calling his shot. Yeah, I mean, he's from like Connecticut Jericho. or something like that. He's from Jericho, New oh, York. Oh, yeah, that's right. Long Island, you know, the notoriously mm-hmm. uh, poverty ridden Long Island. Sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, not, not, okay, enough of Adam Fox. But yeah, but. Jacob's point don't, is correct. Don't hate on a fellow Long Island Jew. No, no, no. I'm yeah, not going These to. college free agents, these CHL free agents, 99.9% of the time they end up bottom six, you know, bottom pairing role players. You know, it's, for as not that good of a season as Frank Vetrano's having, he's also probably one of the better UDFAs in the league. That's also true, yeah. And that's also my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We, we talk um, about Vetrano like he's having a horrible season, but he's still probably one of the better UDFAs. In the yeah, NHL. there's no chance I would trade Frank Vetrano for Jimmy VC. Not even not even a call, you know? All right. I, I know we got to get out of here, guys, but I did find a stat. The Panthers are bottom 13 in the NHL and a need to improve. Face-offs? Tendons? Worse. Worse, guys. <laughs> Worse. Uh, wait. Hits. Block shots. Worse. Worse, but we're getting hot. Uh, plus minus, no, not plus minus. They have like the best Cold. plus minus in the league. Cold. Um, penalty Lock minutes. shots was hot. Otter. Which one? Penalty minutes? I said it was hotter. Uh, Fighting. There it is. Those <laughs> are 21st in the NHL in fights with 10. You know, I was actually thinking about specifying like pims from fights. You know, it was kind of interesting that Mason Marchment fought the game after he had six points. 
Well, he was just he trying had, to endear himself to the fans. Well, he had that borderline hit, and if if I'm going to be honest, I thought that should have been a penalty because it was a blindside hit. Yeah. Uh, Strom said, "Hey, let's go." I didn't like that hit. Let's go. And Marchman answered the bell. That's the that's him. yeah. That's the way it should. That's the way those things should be handled. I'm not a. I love fighting. I'm not. I, I'm not a huge fan of the staged fighting. But when a guy doesn't like how he was hit, and again, I think Marchman should have received a penalty for that hit. It was a bad hit. But you know that's how it goes. The fact that Marchman didn't do the best in the fight, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit that the Panthers only have ten fights on the year. Like it's just not relevant stuff. All right. I will say one of my favorite moments in NHL history is uh, the 2014 Eastern Conference Final uh, when Game Seven between the Rangers and Devils literally started with a line brawl. Oh, I'm not saying I don't love fights and that there isn't a place for it. I'm just saying for anyone out there who's oh saying, no oh, yeah I don't I don't give a shit that the Panthers are. Th- Eight or nineteenth in the league in fights. Yeah. Also, like, even if you were going to make that contention, like, do you not think Gudis and Lomberg are going to be able to answer the bell? Let alone like all the other guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just we've seen, you know, we've, you know, we saw with that loss to the Rangers where it was like you saw people out there. Oh, the Panthers don't have enough grit to get through the playoffs. Blah 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 blah. And it's like they don't. They have plenty. They have enough grit. What they don't have enough of is actually no. They don't have enough of everything. What am I saying? But they don't have enough of is goaltending on the road so far. That yeah. if there's a weakness of the season, it's goaltending on the road. Yeah, and I mean, there's an opportunity to improve what they give up defensively, but at the same time, like they're the number two Corsi team in the league, and like these expected goals models don't like them quite as much, but they're not as reliable. Like if you look at just Corsi versus expected goals, which you think would filter for shot quality, and you know all those old arguments that people make about Corsi being a flawed stat the public models don't perform as well in projecting future success as just flat out raw Corsi. So there you go. They don't have access to the data they need. Yeah. Expected goals would be the best stat if they had access to the data. Yeah. I'm sure that the team expected goal models that like, you know, the Panthers probably have are better than what we're getting from evolving hockey. No offense to them. And yeah, it's, it's not their fault. They just don't have all of the data they need. Mm-hmm. And they and admit well, that they're using And it's also, still interesting. A lot a, of teams also have proprietary XG models. Yeah. Is the other yeah. part of it. Well, but but they're but those but the difference between their models and the public models is they have access to what's on the shoulder blade chip of every NHL player. Right. Jay Fresh and you know, evolving hockey, they don't. They're using what's straight off of NHL.com. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge difference. But anyway, yeah, like before we sign off, uh, everyone go play Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, after you rate us five stars on rate us five stars on, on Amazon.com. No, rate us five stars eShop. on Nintendo eShop and then go buy Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. And then when you're done buying uh, Pokemon Arceus, you need to go watch Peacemaker or uh, Jack Reacher. Okay. Two good shows. And then. Uh... You know, I, I don't have anything else, I guess, other than uh, the newsletter will be dormant until the Panthers come back. And I'm probably going to take the first week off also because I'm going to be out of town. Uh, more on that later. But um, yeah, subscribe to the newsletter because it will be back eventually. But, oh, yeah. Um, final thoughts on the first half of the season? Couldn't have gone better. Panthers are the best team in the league. I like, I, They're the best team in the league. And it's actually based on strong metrics and strong play driving and not... Roberto Luongo and Al Montoya.
I just hope that Sergei Bobrovsky is like not terrible for the rest of the season. Cause that's really all they need. And he was terrible the last two years. Thank God he's not terrible this year. Yeah. I, and, and I'll just straight up say, if you're one of those guys saying, Hey, the Panthers need more greater. If you're saying the Panthers are missing something, which you're probably not listening to this. Then, yeah, I was going to say then you're not listening to us, but you also don't know what you're talking about. And you're just looking for a reason to be upset because this is the best. The Panthers could, I not get make that impulse by the way. Like, there's always been a catch with this team having any winning streak or anything it's done. Like this is just a damn good team. This is just a, a contender, a wagon, a juggernaut to quote it's, the reigning Jack Adams winner. Rod Brindamore said that that's true. It's the, the, it's been kind of incredible. Like every, every game I, I have this thought very briefly. It's like, well, this is, this is all going to come crashing down eventually. Like this, this has to, all this great winning and everything like this is going to end eventually. Right. And then I watch the game and even if they like get scored on first or they lose a game, it's, it's not, all right, see, I was right. It's no, this doesn't have to stop. Actually, this team looks really good. The Panthers could not make a single move at the deadline and still be a top five, top three contender for the Stanley cup. Now they're going to because the time is nigh, like TJ said, but they could stand pat, not make a single fucking change and be a great and be in a great position to win the whole fucking thing and have their names engraved on the cup. That's how good this team is. So anyone else saying, oh, they need X, they need Y, you're wrong. They don't need anything. They should they go could get use something. That, yeah. And I they mean, should go get something to supplement. The caveat to all this need. is that like, I'm still taking the field over the Panthers. Like you, you would do it over any team. You would do it yeah, over like the most dominant of Red Wings teams in the nineties. Really like the only era that I wouldn't do it is like the seventies Canadians because there was only like 10 teams anyway. And they also had all the best players. Like you were going to take them. But since then, like breath. this is a, this is a lead with a lot of parity. So yeah, one day in the Aussies, we just got to laugh at the nonsense. That was the territorial draft. But yeah, that's enough for this episode. We should probably split it up into two parts. Mm-hmm. Like we said, rate us five stars on the Nintendo eShop. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. For Jacob Langsam and TJ Peterson, I'm Alex Lopez. We'll be back again soon. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.